Hi, everyone. Welcome to your new life blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Serene Noor Ali. Serene is a co-founder of Sleuth, a childhood health recommendation engine, aka a better WebMD for kids' health, and it's powered by crowdsourced insights from parents and machine learning. In Sleuth, Serene brings her background and wide-ranging experience as an edtech executive to help families find answers about health issues, navigate the healthcare system, and to give and get support along the way. Serene is a powerful speaker, award-winning innovator, passionate changemaker, and all-around wonderful human. I'm so excited to welcome Serene to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited for this conversation. I know, Serene, so there's a million ways that I could jump in, (laughs) but you really do embody so much of what the show is about, the blend, and bringing it all the parts of yourself forward. But I want to start with Sleuth, because it really is about that. I'm going to bring another piece of my life that I have not talked about until recently in, which is that I feel like Sleuth fell on my lap. I joined an incubator program. My daughter had missed some of her milestones. I left my career to figure out what was going on. And then I was ready to enter the workforce. And I felt like there was a market here. But really, I was planning to do something that was much smaller than what Sleuth's vision is. I knew that parents were disempowered in health. But I met my co-founder, and when I look back those three or four months of my life, I had nothing planned. I ended up having a nervous breakdown when I realized I was starting a VC-backed company. I remember it so clearly. It was November, Thanksgiving. I was losing my mind. I was like, I can't believe I'm about to embark on this journey of creating a website that's competing with WebMD. Like, in what world was this my plan? This is audio, so no one could hear my jaw drop. I had no idea. I did not know that. I had no idea. Were you on a break between things? I was kind of at a low point because so much of my identity had been defined by my career, had been defined by my education. And instead of going back into like a corporate job, I thought, let me just join this incubator program and see what's what. It's only an additional three months and I've already been out of the workforce. But I remember sitting and making a vision board. It's the only only time in my life I've ever made a vision board ever. Still? Yeah, still. Okay. Still. I saw this only time. I'm like, that's so weird. Why did I do that? And then all of a sudden this thing fell in my lap. And I'm like, I had no control over that. And I think back to the best things that have happened to me in life. And they happened that way, which was no planning. My husband fell out of the sky, like metaphorically fell out of the sky. And I think about Sleuth the same way. No planning or allowing some magic in. That's such a good point. I think it was aligning and being really open to possibility. I think that's the similarity. Mm -hmm. And something came through that. So you had a nervous breakdown. Yes. And you did it anyway. Yeah. So tell us what you built. We built a platform where parents search for their child's symptoms. And instead of ending up in the never-ending hole of Dr. Google, what they get is information and insights from hundreds of other parents who have been there and done that and gotten answers. And what's cool about it is the data science works really well. When you crowdsource information from a bunch of people, you always get really highly accurate information. It always surfaces the best, most accurate things, like who you should go see, what specialists are the best fit, and how else you can understand your child. 
And I'll get into the insights on that later because they're actually deeply exciting for what it means for children. And that's really important to me, the way that we understand children. But it's also a nod to what happened to me when I left my job, which is I was this career professional and then I just became a mom, like just a mom. One of the most loftiest, important roles in life. And it was just a mom. And I'm like, this is crazy. There are so many other parents out there like me who understand their children so well. And they're constantly dismissed. But guess what? Data science and machine learning actually shows us that the information that we have as caregivers is really useful. Wow. I think that's a nice segue about caregivers hold the wealth of the power of the information. So just making the bridge to the impact and what that can mean for families and kids. Yeah. One of the things that we do is we look at what the data is saying about different children, that anxiety and depression is high amongst kids. And we're realizing as a society and more willing to read about it in the media. What our data is showing, as an example, is that kids might have anxiety, but their parents don't know that they're lonely. There's these really granular things that are happening that I think parents would want to know about. It's almost like if I had only known. So we're using OpenAI, which is the technology around ChatGPT3 as well. And we use it as a way to cross-check our own models. And one of the things it suggested as a label of models was that people say, I'm alone, but they don't say lonely. They don't talk about loneliness. No one says, I experience loneliness, right? And what we do is we take people's own words when we collect data. And so when we looked back at our data and we looked at what parents were saying of their kids, even though the anxiety, people aren't using the word alone. And yet we know kids feel alone. And so what does this mean? And we were all on our Slack and there's a bunch of us on it, include some of our advisors. And we were talking about how we felt as a child. And I remember distinctly feeling alone as a child, even though I had great support, attentive parents, strong sibling relationship, I felt alone. And I've never actually been able to figure out why. And there are so many children like that. We don't see the world through children's eyes. And it's critically important. I went viral on TikTok over a couple of different things in children's health. Teenagers are messaging me Mm -hmm. and saying, yes, I wish that I hadn't done that. Or I wish my parent knew that I needed a break from occupational therapy, from physical therapy. And I was like, mind blowing. We bifurcate people into these categories and don't really critically think about children grow up into adults. I have found myself over my life to be very Action's my primary defense mechanism, right? So problem, what's the solution? Let's do it. This is what it sounds like to me. There's a series of therapies or therapeutics and we get on a path and then we go, go, go. And the more we do, the better. And so it's like knowing, actually, no, there's a lot more nuance. When do we pump and when do we release the gas? Yeah, I think one of the things in my new life blend is where are the lines of capitalism and community? And where are they intermingling? And where do we need to put a little bit more attention? And I think when it comes to the way that we raise our children, oftentimes as a default, subconsciously, we're participating in capitalism. And I don't have an issue with capitalism. I'm eyes wide open. But that's my point eyes wide open. So this idea of our kids have to go to all of these activities, for example, and do this, we're asking us to be productive at the same time. And when we look at our ADHD data, you know what one of the number one interventions is that parents say is effective with their child? Being patient with them. When I think about my kids, it's almost like just be with them, just be, just witness, create an expansive space. It is all of it. Take them to therapy, but know when to do this. And we don't have guidance for that. And we're trying to fill that hole. And we're trying to fit it all in with, like you say, the programming that we have of being doers and achievers 
and oh, the kids, we're not being good parents if we're not getting them into this team and that class and this extra and this whatever. Plus, then if you have needs that need to be met on this level, the medical or special, then you're also trying to layer that in and figure out like you're doing triage and then, of course, constantly feeling like you're failing. Yeah, because we're given this message that what our kids do is a reflection on us and maybe we take it on ourselves. But right. I think about the child or the adolescent who might be depressed and wants to sit on the couch. And the parent that's maybe like, I love you, I want to be there for you, and I know that if you don't do these activities, what happens to your grades and your college application? And from my point of view, because I'm a medical needs mom, I have tried to deprogram myself out of doing and into being. And when I think about that, I have the image in my head a lot. I think, oh, that kid needs someone to sit with them, not tell them to get up. That's really powerful. I had a strong reaction to the thing they need the most is patience, which it um, feels almost impossible some days. Sometimes it does. How does that translate to tools parents can use as a members of the community? One of the big ways it translates is that we have a tracker. So we have what will be the best children's health tracker on the market. And you can track anything. You can track a symptom, a behavior, you can track a condition, you can track a doctor's appointment. But what I really love about it, aside from the strong functionality, because I will be using it to track my daughter's therapy appointments because I want to know how much she needs or not and where I can pull back. What I love about it is that you get to track what's important to your kid. If you have a child who has a speech delay and they said hello for the first time at the age of two, you want to be proud of that. You want to track it. That's your kid. And so we want to really help parents appreciate their own child and understand their own child. And of course, we have benchmarks for different symptoms, what the average is for a child of the same age. And what we're thinking about critically is how do we offer these benchmarks, which are really useful to help someone, but not get into the world of comparison. And that's a very delicate relationship, I guess. Because when you share tracking, it can yeah. feed the comparison tendency. It could also, on the other hand, make you feel less alone. The subjects I feel really passionate about is children's mental health. A lot of kids have anxiety, and I don't think we know that. And you're saying that anecdotally, also sleuth data, also what you're reading, learning about in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, I put my older daughter in an anxiety skills class after I did research for sleuth. Because I learned something like, oh, I thought anxiety just gets better over time. No, it turns out it doesn't. gets worse. Exactly. Yeah, that's worse. I was like, oh. Unmet needs. Guess what happens? They grow. Exactly. Right? Okay. I keep coming back to the loneliness, that feature, and how you got there and the impact that that can have by shining a light on that. I think that people that I talk to about sleuth think about their own childhood and what they wish someone might have noticed in them because they were children and they didn't have the words or skills. And also we get early messaging from parents, unintentional parents, society, teachers about what it means to be a good anything. So and true. lonely. Yeah, so true. It's not it. I think there's a lot of variables that weigh on our kids. Okay, the last few years. Say again the year of founding Sleuth. Right before the pandemic. So 2020, okay. early 2020. Super fun. Exactly. <laughs> so fell into your lap, nervous breakdown. And knowing you, I just imagine that's the high achiever. What have I done? I could do it. I can't do it. All that stuff coming together. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's not a term I love, but I had it. 78% of professionals have it in the course of their career. So wow. it was also the balance of it. Like I'm a mom of two with one child for whom I'm constantly doing something, whether it's calling the insurance companies or calling doctors or calling something else. But the irony was the reason I didn't take the jobs that I was offered was because I didn't think that corporate settings would understand. And I already felt like the medical system had beaten me, which is ironic given what happened to my daughter in 2021. But by that time, I had already felt so beaten by the corporate system that I had so much pride 
pride in me that I was like, I am more than being able to ask a boss for me to go take care of my daughter and go to a medical appointment. And it was my pride that actually stopped me from taking those jobs more than anything else. Pride, but also maybe where you were at on your own personal journey, which we're going to get into, your own personal journey of really embracing all parts of yourself. Yeah. I don't know that that's pride so much as maybe a little bit of like I think fear that's been imp- changed, though. I have a lot of pride. And I think pride I associate with ego. And as someone who's on my own, I don't like the word spiritual path, but whatever, journey. Journey. I can see back at that moment of time, it was just stubborn. You are not messing with me. I'm done being messed with. Whereas now I would probably engage in it differently, but it was like red hot pride. It wasn't so proud of myself. It was red hot, rageful. I'm going to burn stuff down, which maybe I have, maybe metaphorically. Me burning things down is why I created Sleuth is like all in one. And also have found your way, I think, to some deeper alignment around all things. Yeah. 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 Which I think is cool. So talk to us a little about what's changed over the last few years. I feel like there's some great cool alignment um, for Serene. And I think that burning, and I would say the last three years have felt like that hot, hot fire. Hot, hot fire. I think the biggest thing is that my daughter ended up getting a major, she got brain surgery after years of not really knowing why she was dealing with imbalance or slight speech delays. These things that she was so inherently overcoming herself. We got a surprising diagnosis in July 2021 after we restarted her medical appointments post-COVID. We took a break and everyone was like, oh my God, she's doing so well. She's great. She's going to be on this path. And then something happened and we got a diagnostic exam. And they were like, you have to be kidding. And I've never shared this with anyone. But the first call I made to give the bad news wasn't my mom, wasn't my brother. It was someone who has guided me spiritually in really tough moments. It's my mom's cousin. And she was the only person I almost needed someone who looked at the world differently to tell me it would be okay. And that's what I was really deeply seeking in the moment. And I remember being like, how am I going to tell my mother that her granddaughter has this? How are we going to tell everyone when your life and the love of your life is facing something that big? Your ground goes. Even now, every time I walk into my kid's bedroom and I look at them sleeping, I'm like, Like, I'm so grateful. Maybe before that point, I was like, oh, I'm so hassled. I'm so tired. I don't get enough sleep. But I have lived in the hospital with her for three months. I have fought with her. I have seen her wake up from surgery and a doctor be like, actually, I have no idea if she's going to swallow again. I didn't expect this to happen. I have seen her puke buckets of blood in front of my face. And that can't do anything but change you. And it changed everything, but it changed over time. And especially the integration of it all, unpacking it, because that was like acute and crisis, just dealing with the crisis. And it wasn't a day. I remember that time in your life. Like it was not a day. It was how many days being in a hospital? Two and a half months. Two and a half months. So just dealing with a long stretch of crisis. Thank you for trusting me and sharing that. That's deeply powerful. And yeah, talk about the carpet just goes. And it's not just the carpet. It's like someone took a jackhammer to the floor and it's gone. And you're careening. And now I look back at that period of time and I feel grateful. I know it sounds weird, but I met the moment. And because I met the moment, I grew into a person and I'm growing into a person that is the best version of myself. I'm proud of who I am. Like the things that I suffered mentally before are less on my mind. Like I don't have imposter syndrome anymore. I'm probably so into my own life and so what I want to build that I actually probably should care more about what people say about me, but I don't. Not because I don't care about them, but because I'm like really into what I'm doing. 
Yeah. I'm not sure how that helps. What they think about you, what they think about what you're building. Do they have feedback for you? Are there ways to course correct? Sure. But you as a person, you have to live with yourself. You and your beloved and your mini beloveds. That's the deal. The very ethos of your new life blend. Taking what life has thrown at you in a major way. And that's a choice. It's a choice to integrate that and to evolve. And that's, I think, what you're talking about is that when confronted with that, you didn't have to become a different person. No, not at all. And my therapist always tells me, she said, you should be grateful to yourself for having deep capacity. <laughs> I was like, okay, that makes sense after I say it 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. After you say it 10 times, write it down, yeah. put it on the wall, right. let it percolate. But yeah, deep capacity yeah. for change and growth. So how did Sleuth change as a result? Yeah. I mean, I have an amazing co-founder, Alex Leeds, and he has a data science background and a research background. And he sees very clearly what this is in terms of a vision. And I say a lot that I'm like, I didn't have the ability. I'm very ambitious, but I didn't articulate. I never knew I could do something like that and we could do something like that. And so what changed in me after she went through all this stuff was like, there's a world of possibility. I see and feel and experience possibility every day in my life because the worst thing happened, almost the worst thing happened mm -hmm. with her. But I also now can see that there were miracles and things along the way that helped us. You know, great doctors, her own spirit and her spirit. She has severe medical trauma, but her spirit, I've never seen anything like it. And that's like a gift she has and was granted. She couldn't eat. She couldn't eat for a year, basically, was aspirating on her own saliva. I asked her, I said, when you couldn't eat, wasn't it hard for you? What did you do? And she was four when she got surgery. She's like, oh, I just smelt it. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And it was the most matter-of-fact comment ever because she loves desserts, loves desserts. And so she would literally sniff the cupcakes. And for her birthday, I got her a cake. And literally, she was not medically permitted to have more than five crumbs. I am not exaggerating because she could aspirate on it. And you think about this magical child and my older daughter, this other magical child. And I think about Sleuth and I was like, I truly believe that kids are magical in their own way. And that we as a society don't acknowledge that as much as we should. Or we don't marvel in them as much as we should because we're so busy all the time. But if you have a kid, you know that magic. Wow, what she and you all went through. But wow, her magic, her ability to say like, how did I enjoy it? I smelt it. And that sustained her. It blows my mind. It's so inspirational. What can I say? And talk about like just where we began this conversation where you talked about the deep impact of understanding our kids and what that could bring a family extrapolate that out, bring society? Like if we really understand our children in this deep way? I think it's really double-sided though. There's a lot of inner child work, like the mention of inner child work and all this on social media. And it resonates, I think, with a lot of people, including me. We as caregivers have a role to acknowledge and understand our children's needs. I also think we're not going to get it right. It's so much pressure to put on parents to be like, you should know this. And then I'm like, how do you fill the gap? The gap is just like trusting them. Listening. Yeah. Listening. Yeah. When I was in the hospital at my worst, I realized there's 
carnal thing. We have this carnal desire, visceral desire to survive as humans. And I think sometimes we forget that. Kids, to some level, they have that. So sometimes I remind myself, my kids will be fine. We all have something in us that has self-preservation. And I find it very reassuring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. My stepmother always says, puppies and kids are cute. That's what keeps them alive, right? Kittens so and true. puppies, <laughs> that's what keeps them alive. There is something, there's like a nature-nurture side to self-preservation. There's no handbook for parenting. I mean, there's books. But no, it's not like you're born into this world and there's here's how you are a daughter, brother, child, friend, spouse, partner. Yeah. There's no handbook. We are all just figuring it out and doing the best we can. But I think there's something really powerful about the making space for patience, listening, and the expansiveness and connectedness in relationships. That's powerful. That's Yeah, the listening is so powerful. It's so powerful. Sleuth is for everyone. Sleuth is for everyone. Sleuth is for every caregiver of a child to understand their child more, either when they're worried about something or when they want to understand their child more and proactively see what's going on. Amazing. What is different for you? How you've navigated the pandemic and how you navigated brain surgery for your child and recovery and coming out of that and the swallow journey and your own journey. Where would you say that you're at now in terms of your own life blend? I think the two biggest changes are I really show up for myself. I never did before. That was a long lesson that still comes. But every time I'm conscious of it, I realize how much it bears fruit. And I do think it affects children. If you're there for yourself, you're more capable of being there for your child, but also beneficial for you to be your own person. And I think the second thing is I feel like I'm coming out of the closet a little of my spirituality. I believe in things way mightier than what I see with my eyes. And it's beautiful. And it gives me so much happiness. I love that. I am with you. I always joke and say I'm woo curious, woo adjacent. I'm super concrete. <laughs> and practical. But yeah. what is that thing that makes you go out the door and go left instead of right when you always go right? What is that thing? And then you have that cool thing that happens or the terrible thing that happened to the right. You missed it. Like I like sliding doors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Call it what you will. But I love the idea of a journey. Somebody once said to me like, I'm on a journey and it's not over yet. In terms of understanding who they are, who you are, it's normal and all the elements that go into it, spiritual, professional, personal. Serene, thank you for being here today. I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. Thank and I can't wait to see me. you in real life. Where can people find you and Sleuth? Tell us where we can connect. Sleuth is at hellosleuth.com. Please drop your email address there. We're launching in a few weeks. And if you want more of my unfiltered thoughts. I'm on Instagram under my full name. Unfiltered, deeply powerful, and thought-provoking. I highly recommend following Serene on Insta. And thanks for listening. This has been your New Life Blend. I'm Shoshana Hecht, reminding you, as ever, to be gentle with yourself. <laughs>